At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome, everyone, to the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Trana. Thanks for tuning in. We've got Kurt Menefee from the NFL on Fox pregame show on this episode. Good interview with Kurt. Covered a lot of things, and uh, he was very, very interesting. So uh, you guys will enjoy that. A couple of uh, notes here before we get rolling. Last week, we had Jim Miller on. I, there was some Apple glitch for some people, not for all, where the episode didn't hit your uh, download on Apple. But the podcast is there and available. So if you go to Spotify or Stitcher or just Google it and use another uh, form to listen, you can hear it. So check that out in the archives. Uh, It was a good discussion about Monday Night Football and Tony Romo and uh, the future of uh, how they can uh, work maybe together or not together. So that was Jim Miller from last week. So check that out. Also in the archives, we did a big year in review show at the end of 2019. Uh, Kyle Brand from Good Morning Football was on. So all those are in the archives. So check those out. Download, rate, review, subscribe. Next week, Brent Musburger will be on. And the week after that, Kevin Harlan will be on the uh, podcast. He's calling the Super Bowl for Westwood One on radio. So we'll get to uh, speak to them before the big game on February 2nd. Fox has the Super Bowl this year. so uh, And they do a five-hour pregame. So that's why we wanted to talk to Kurt Menefee from Fox. And uh, we get into uh, some Super Bowl stuff, pregame, good stories about Terry Bradshaw, working with Gronk this year, how he got the job from James Brown. Covered a lot of ground, and uh, we'll get to it right now. Kurt Menefee from Fox Sports. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. 
I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, joining me now, first time, I think, here on the SI Media podcast. He is the longtime host of the NFL on Fox pregame show that we have all watched for many years, Kurt Menefee. Kurt, how's it going? Great to be with you, Jimmy. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. I know this is a big time there in the Fox family with you guys having the uh, Super Bowl on January, uh, excuse me, February second, uh, coming up here in a few weeks. So it's always got to be uh, an extra fun year for you guys when you know you have the big game at the end of the season. Yeah, no, you know it, it moves the finish line back a little bit, both because in the uh, we get it every third year. So two years that you don't have it, this would be the last Sunday of football for us. So. But uh, get extended, and then I've got XFL duties uh, this year as well. So it's—I don't know if this is the midway point, just beyond the midway point. But it's always great when you're going to have a Super Bowl because you know, I mean, that's yeah. I mean, look, I mean, let's face it: anybody in television would love to be a part of the Super Bowl, and I've had a chance to do it year in and year out. So it's—I'm uh, it, it, looking forward to it. Before we get into Super Bowl, NFL, pregame stuff, all that, let, let's. Uh... Let's recap what happened last Sunday with Jimmy Johnson since I got you here, and that was a that was a great yeah. moment with Jimmy learning he was getting inducted into the into the Hall of Fame uh, this year. Tell me, just give me like what it was like being there, and then if you want, I'd love to hear you know how much you knew beforehand if if you had to be yeah. in on the planning, yeah. how did it all go down with Jimmy? I, I can tell you first of all. I mean, I will say out of I've been. Uh, on the pregame show for 14 seasons now. Uh, I did games for 10 years for Fox before that. So in my 24 seasons, this is by far, I think, the, the, the most joyous number one event that I've been a part of. And it was so cool. It was hard, though, because I knew on Friday. So um, our producer, Bill Richards, found out last week. Obviously, you know, David Baker had to set it up and come out and, and, and plan everything. So I think they were Eric Shanks, um, I think Mark Silverman, Brad Zager, Bill Richards, all executives. And then I was the only non-executive who knew about it. And I found out on Friday. But I was obviously sworn to secrecy. So the uh, Bill Cowher thing happens on CBS on Saturday, right? Um, which uh, everybody was watching. And obviously it was a great moment for him. It was great live television. Um, but then it spurred up all these text messages um, from you know people within our group from people outside our group to Jimmy, people wondering, well, if he's going in, are you going in? And Jimmy's like, I don't know anything. You know what I mean? So then the bar gets raised because instead of everybody thinking you're going to wait until Wednesday for the announcement, now all of a sudden you see one guy out and you're like, okay. So that really raised the emotion as we were coming in to do the pregame show on Sunday. So uh, Jimmy and I are always the first two to get in. We get in, you know, Jimmy's there. Like, <laughs> even on a week when we had a, la- a late game, he was in at five in the morning. Um, we didn't have to be in until noon. So uh, so he and I are the first two guys there. And we're sitting around, we're talking, and he, he's just kind of going over the emotions and about, well, you know, they're only going to put two coaches in. So if Cowher's in and they made that announcement, you know, I don't know what that means for me. And it's one of those things that Jimmy pretends he's, he's gruff and he's hard and that kind of thing. But you could see, I think, with the emotion, how much it meant to him. But I knew, you know, that David Baker was coming and he was going in. But I had to play dumb. Right. And I'm just like, yeah, you know, you know, who knows with the numbers and well, don't start counting, but you know, but don't get your hopes up because I don't want you to be just, you know, so I'm doing that game, hoping I'm a, a good actor. So anyway, the day goes on and the plan originally was to do it uh, at the end of the pregame show. Well, the Kansas City game against Tennessee or excuse me, against um, um, Houston went so long that we were getting towards the end of the pregame show. That game wasn't over. And, I mean, let's face it, you know, as a fan, you're not turning off a game that's going on, a playoff game, to watch a pregame show. So we're like, well, this might limit the audience. Why don't we try and do it a little bit later? And so then the thought process became, well, we can do it at halftime. Um, okay, that's a great idea. So what happened is, story long at this point, we moved it to halftime, and it became a more emotional event because after it happened, Jimmy told me, he goes, you know, 
when it didn't happen on the pregame show after seeing it happen to Cowher on the pregame show, oh. I just assumed, well, I'm not going in again this year. And so I made my peace with it. And so when you said that, and I turned around and I saw David Baker walk in, he goes, that's when it hit me. Because I was thinking fully I wasn't going in again this year. Right. So it made it a more emotional, I think a better moment for everybody. Uh, because you could see the pure joy, and it wasn't expected from him uh, to happen on that Sunday. Interesting. So if if, if uh, the Texans and Chiefs don't run long, yeah. you guys end up doing that in the pregame, and Jimmy's not as yeah. surprised as he was um, exactly. at halftime. Yeah, I think he was thrilled and happy and all that, but it, it was, you know, in the back of his head, it was kind of like, okay, let me be on alert because it could happen, you know? Was it, is it hard, was it hard for you at all to keep that a secret from, you know, Terry and Howie and, and Strahan and Tony Gonzalez? You know, here's the thing. It was hard because we're all so close. I mean, and we talk and text constantly. I mean, in the off season, you know, we get together. We're truly friends. Let me, let me so interrupt. Can I, I want to interrupt you. I just want to be clear. Terry Bradshaw texts. Oh, he, believe it or not. Yes, he does. Okay. But the problem with Terry, he, he voice texts. <laughs> so, so it's good luck deciphering it half the time. Okay, so, I got you. All right, go ahead. But we, but we, we're all close. So you know, we talk constantly, and obviously, again, after the coward situation, they we talk more. Um, is it going to happen? Would it happen? Who knows? And again, I've got to play dumb. So it was, it was difficult from that standpoint. But you put your television hat on, and it was an easy decision because you go if they know then their reaction is not going to be pure and genuine. Right. So if it can be secret, a, a secret for everyone, and everyone gets surprised, then we're going to get a better reaction on television. And so from that standpoint, it was pretty easy to keep. Yeah, that that turned out to be uh, that turned out to be something. You know, I think for people to see Jimmy break down like that was interesting. You yeah. know, you know, you don't really see that from him. Um, it's it's funny. Do you 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 know you mentioned how you know a Chief Texans cutting into your pregame while they're on CBS. I've always wondered that. It's, it, if the playoff time is a little frustrating for the pregame shows, because it happens to all of you, where the pregame right. show and the postseason with the schedule being different comes on while another game is going on, and it's like, who, who you know, you think, who's watching this if a game is going on? Does that play into your head at all? I mean, obviously you just got to do the show, but I would imagine... Exactly. And that I could, think that's how you look at it. You, you just got to do your show no matter what, because, you know, I would think... If you're a football fan, you're not tuning that game out. But you know what? Maybe it's your team that's playing, and you truly want to see your your team warm up, or you want to hear what people are talking about. You know, if you're a Packer fan, or you want to see a sit down with Aaron Rodgers. So there are people that are watching, just not as large an audience. But it all balances out. Right. You know, I mean, there's the years that you know we have a game that goes long, uh, and CBS, you know, their pregame gets affected. So right. I, I think you just look at it that way. That in the end, you you win some, you lose some. It balances out. Do you do you have a relationship with like the pregame show hosts on the other? You know, you talked about the group text, obviously, with your guys, and that makes sense. I'm just curious, yeah. like with James Brown, Rich Eisen, yeah. what, what kind of camaraderie yep. there is there? Yeah, no, there, there truly is. I mean, uh, I think Rich Eisen told a story not long ago on, on uh, his radio show that uh, at the beginning of the year and the, at the end of the year as well, and it was spurred by Mike Tirico, Um but a group text just among the hosts, yeah, myself, Eisen. Rico, JB, and Sam Ponder, uh, and Carissa Thompson as well. So everybody's thrown in, you know, hey, go get them, have a great season, kind of thing at the beginning, and then at the end of the year, just about how fortunate we all are. And we just, you know, it becomes a group text among the hosts. But I, I, I've always had a relationship, you know, I go back to, I did games for 10 years at Fox uh, before being in the studio. When JB announced he was leaving and going to CBS, and, and I was a candidate to, you know, take over the studio, JB and I had a phone conversation. He was as helpful to me as anybody could imagine. And he was like, okay, look, when you're going through your test, and Scott Ackerson was the producer at this time, he's like, yeah, you know, things are a little bit different than they are now. Uh, but he was like, look, they like four seconds for each scoreboard. And then when you set Terry up, he likes to be set up this way. And when it's Howie, it's this way. So it really helped me with my audition. But we had had a relationship before that, uh, even before um, um, I was doing games at Fox right. and I was doing local television. So, I think that that has been established there. Mike Tirico and I have known each other. The guy who hired me to be the Monday through Friday sports guy in Dallas is the same guy who hired him to be the Monday through Friday guy in Syracuse, so our first anchor jobs. So we had kind of a symbiotic relationship from that standpoint, just kind of knowing one another uh, based off of that background. And, oh, wow, you know, he hired you as well. 
And so um, back when he was at ESPN, and I was still doing local television. So, you know, there's always been some semblance of a relationship. But, yeah, we text back and forth uh, amongst our group periodically. I was on Rich Eisen's show a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, his father passed away. Um, got into a nice text exchange with him about that. So I, I think that it's one of those things you look at. At least my approach has always been, you know, look, some people like strawberry ice cream. Some people like vanilla. So don't get upset if viewers go, I watch CBS's pregame show or I watch yours. And there's enough for all of us to go around. So why should I dislike someone just because they work at a different network? We're right. doing the same job. You know, we're all trying to go out and, and provide for our families and have the lives that we want. So I, I've got no animus towards anybody. So I, I'm all in for us, us all being together. Let, let's spend a minute, because you touched on it. I wanted to spend a minute on you getting the job at Fox. I mean, it does. It seems like you've been doing that pregame show forever, and I think there's probably a decent amount of people who forget that James Brown hosted before you did. I remember you, I've been in New York my whole life, I remember you doing the sports on the local Fox affiliate here in New York on five, 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, did, did you go from that job to hosting, or was there something in between? Because I think that's how I remember it, but I could be wrong. Yeah, well, I, I went from being um, at the Fox station in New York, WNRW Fox 5, uh, and I went there in 95. And in 97, <clears throat> Fox asked me to go to NFL Europe to because uh, I'd never done play-by-play before. And they asked, would you like to go? And so I went over there, and I did um, one game at the end of the 97 season, then went back again in 98, did two games. And then that fall, they put me on an NFL schedule. So I was doing the local news in New York and doing NFL games for Fox from 98 until 2004. Then I left Fox 5 because I decided I really love the play-by-play thing, and I wanted to pursue that. You know, And you can't do the 10 o'clock news every night, I mean, unless you're on a station that has the games, uh, and you know, be able to do basketball, baseball, whatever. I wanted to try and expand. And so I went over and I worked at MSG Network for a while, and I did some Brooklyn Cyclones and some New York Liberty, WNBA, minor league baseball. Um, and the the idea was at that point that I was eventually going to get some shots and fill in doing baseball, you know, major league baseball or NBA games. That didn't work out for whatever reason. Uh, and so in 2006, so after two years there, I decided I was going to move out to Los Angeles and, and just kind of pursue it from that standpoint. But I was still doing – play-by-play games for the NFL on Fox the entire time. And that was in January, at the end of the season, I decided I was going to move to Los Angeles. At the end of the championship game that year, James Brown announced he was leaving to go to CBS. So it happened to coincide with my pre-planned move to Los Angeles, contacted the people at Fox, and was like, hey, you know, I'd be interested in that. Uh, Obviously, you know, my background, et cetera. And then the ball just kind of got rolling from there. So it wound up being what looked like a planned transition that was unplanned the whole time. Gotcha. Okay. And and I'm curious because you said you you love doing the play-by-play. So when James Brown announced he was leaving as host of the Fox pregame, um, was that all you to make the decision to go for that job? Did Fox ask you to try out for that job? How did that come about where you replaced JB? It was a little bit of both. It was a little bit of both. You know, I, I think that I, when I found out about it, I said, hey, you know, I don't know what you guys are doing, but, you know, I would be interested in whatever process goes on from here. And then that kind of got the ball rolling. I remember I was actually in Australia when David Hill uh, emailed me and said, hey, when are you back? Because we want to bring you in to do an audition. Um, and, and so it was a matter of I loved doing play-by-play, but I really, truly only done NFL. You know, like I said, some WNBA and, and minor league baseball. Um, but studio was, you know, what I'd done all my life. I mean, I've been doing – I started in local television when I was 19 years old. Um, and so, you know, when you're sitting behind the desk and, you know, obviously doing highlights and, and doing local news is different, but that's a position I, that I was used to. So it was a natural, I won't say fallback, but a natural position for me to say, if there's an opportunity to do this at this level, I'd be a fool to turn it down in pursuit of hoping to get, you know, an NBA gig with an expansion team because Charlotte was just coming back in the league at that time. And that was a gig that I was up for, um, and crossing your fingers and hoping those kind of things happen. So, and it t- turned out to be. I mean, now it's the best decision I ever made, right. know, in, in my opinion, I'll say right. it that way. And how was it when you first started in terms of fitting in with that crew there? Uh, Terry and Howie especially have been there forever. I, yeah. Jimmy's been there. He had that little gap where he wasn't there and he came back. Right. Uh, obviously, Strahan and Gonzalez are sort of the newest guys. But I think, you know, I think when people hear Fox 
NFL pregame, I think Terry and Howie are the first sort of names that that come to mind. So when uh, you took over for James Brown there, was it just fitting right in? Was there a little transition period? How'd that go for no, you? No, 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 no. Look, this is the 26th season, and, and you mentioned Howie and Terry have been there all 26. Jimmy went back and coached the Dolphins for four years, so he's been there 22 of the 26. So, I mean, this was an established group, and, and I was the first major change. You know, I said that Jimmy left for a period, but the other three guys were there. So, and the show at that time had been number one for 12 straight years. Fortunately, left, uh, fortunately enough for us, 26 years now, but it was 12 straight years. So I'm thinking, okay, if this show goes to number two, there's only one major change. Uh, that's me. <laughs> so who are they going to blame? You know, right. so you feel that pressure when you start. And, and I, I've told this story before that I, when, when I got the call, Ed Gorin, um, who was running Fox Sports um, at the time, called me up and said, hey, you know, you got the gig and, and here's the game plan, et cetera, et cetera. And we were starting out. It was going to be, we were on, I don't know if you remember this, we were on the road the first year. Um, we kind of did the, the game day thing where Joe Buck hosted the first 45 minutes and then I hosted the last 15 minutes and I did the halftime and then we split the post game and it was it was just it was not well thought out. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I, I called David uh, Hill, up, who was, is the CEO, and I was like, okay, you know, thanks a lot for giving me this opportunity. I really appreciate it. I'll do everything in the world not to let you down. You got any words of advice? And David goes, yeah, don't fuck it up. I'm like, <laughs> okay. Well, that's the kind of advice you want from your boss as you get a new job. So right. that put the pressure on me right away, I think. Um, and so you, you, you go in, you try sometimes too hard to fit in. And, and uh, I tell the story sometimes when I, I do speeches. You know, you go in. And I remember thinking, okay, this show is rolling. And again, I go back to any change, it would be me. So the, the, the camaraderie and the sense of humor and all that is a big part of what makes our, our show, I believe, work. So you want to come in and you want to just seamlessly fit in. But the guys don't really know you. It's hard to, to force that and make it happen. Right. So we're on the road, week one, we're in Jacksonville. And I make this joke about Bradshaw and all his divorces. Now, at this point, <laughs> I don't know if Terry knows my middle name. I don't know if he knows my last name. Forget that. So I'm like, it just kind of didn't go over well, but okay, you know, you work it out. Week two, I do this other just absurd joke, and, and, and it just it fell flat. But I'm forcing, I'm trying. And I, I'd heard after week one that Bradshaw was not happy about it. But, you know, again, I'm like, well, I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm trying to make this work. So I'm walking down a hallway at Fox after week two, uh, and Roy Hamilton, who was running Fox Sportsnet at the time, you know, played basketball at UCLA back in the wooden days and all that. He was an executive uh, at Fox. And he says he had nothing to do with our pregame show, zero. But anyway, I'm walking down the hall, and Roy sees me, and he goes, Kurt, you got a second? I go, yeah. And he says, come in the office. And I sit down, and he goes, look, you got the gig. Calm down. Be you. The reason they hired you is because you're you. Don't try to be somebody else. And it was almost like the hallelujah chorus saying in my head, <laughs> I got it. Right. You know, it, it was, it was the words I needed to hear. And later on that week, Howie Long called me. I was like, Hey man, I'm just telling you, everything's fine. You know, we all like you. Don't worry about it. Don't press. Just, just come out and be yourself. Now I don't know of, and I've never heard to this day, was there an internal meeting? Was there something that happened? But having two people tell you that in the same week, I went back in there that third week, and I was so much more relaxed. Now, obviously, over the years, I've become more and more comfortable doing it. Right. But I, I think I tried so hard those first two weeks to force it. It proved to be a lesson to me is that you can't. You just got to let things happen naturally. And when you get put in the position, what Roy said, you got the gig because you're you. Be yourself, and the rest will take care of itself. And that was a lesson I think I probably needed to learn, and I'm glad I learned it quickly. It doesn't sound like you, I mean, it's interesting that, you know, the advice they give you the first season is don't fuck it up, but then they come out with this crazy plan to put you on the road and only do the last yeah. 15 minutes, and, yeah. you know, it didn't seem like yeah. they put you in the best position they had to succeed. Even David Hill admitted to us all, it was so funny, we were at a, at a, at a little seminar uh, the following year when David told us, okay, we're going back in the studio, you know, it's just, Kurt's going to be you know, the host, blah, 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 blah. Um, he goes, it, it, it was the dumbest idea I ever had right. uh, of putting this thing on the road. And I go, well, it actually worked out well for me, so I'm fine with it. You know? Right, right. So <laughs> in the end, uh, I, it wound up being a good thing. But I, I, they admitted right away it was, it was, you know, I think it was just a matter of it was the first forced change that the show had had. And right. again, things were rolling and the, the ratings were good and, at that point, you don't know what's going to happen when you have change. You know, will the balance of power between us and CBS 
shift. Right. Uh, who was going to be this guy? I mean, you know, if you go back to it, Kurt Menefee, and again, I'm not you know, pretending I'm freaking Brad Pitt or anything, but like Kurt Menefee at that time was doing the fourth or fifth game at Fox. So, you know, I was doing a lot of what I call milk games. You know, 2% of the country was seeing it. Right. So, you know, if you take this guy and stick him in the studio, and people may have or may not have seen him, don't really know him, you're taking maybe a bigger risk. Whereas if by being on that road, having Joe as part of it, and, and people becoming a little bit more familiar with me, even though it probably wasn't the wisest decision in the end as far as the, the logistics of it, I think it helped me because it helped transition. I think it gave the, the, the national audience a chance to, to kind of you know, at least get to see my face and hear my name, but also gave the guys a chance to get to know me. Right. Because anybody who's traveled uh, for business or whatever, you know that you know there are times you're at the bar, you have a beer, or you have a dinner, or things that happen that would never happen to we just going in and out of the studio. So I think it helped to create a better relationship uh, between myself and the guys. It is amazing. I mean, listen... I- what pregame show you like is all preference and subjective. Yeah. And, but, you know, I think it's, pre, you know, you've mentioned about the the Fox pregame undergoing very few changes. It's been the last couple of years, I guess, with Straining and Dolls where they've they've tweaked it. But there was a long period there where it was really just you and, and Terry and Howie and Jimmy. And I think. Well, think of this. Strahan has been there for 12 years. That's crazy. And he's the yeah. new guy on the main set. You know yeah. what I mean? Everybody else is, is changing every year, every two years, every three years. You know, Tony came over, and he's been with us, I guess when you count the halftimes and stuff, it's, it's been two years now. Right. But he's been at Fox for, I think, four, you know? Right, right. Cause, yeah, because he started on the other pregame yeah. um, beforehand. Um, but it is, I mean, it, it, it is the most, you know, listen, it, it's that weird, corny cliche about, you know, TV. It's like a family. I mean, I think that's the impression with the Fox pregame that NFL fans would probably get more than. I mean, listen, it is, correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, you know, Jimmy loves doing that show so much and loves you guys so much, right? He's got this sweet deal where he like flies in from Florida to just basically do the pregame. He jets out. He doesn't have to do the halftime of the postgame during the regular season. I mean, that you would think, in a, you know, a guy like Jimmy's probably got his money and lives that nice life. He could give it up, but he, he, he still wants to do the show that badly that he does that sort of, you know, yeah. wacky yeah, schedule. I, you know, I, 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 Jimmy can speak for himself, but I think he's been public about saying this before, too. I mean, you know, Jimmy is 76 years old. And as you say, I think he feels financially secure. He loves his life in the Florida Keys. You know, he fishes every day. But he says the only reason he does this is because he loves the guys. Right. He loves the camaraderie. He loves being around us. And, and I, I tell you, you know, Jimmy's a bigger texter than maybe any of the rest of us. <laughs> um, but, you know, I mean, he's, he, it, it's a year-round thing with our group. Um, we have a boys trip that we do every year. The last couple of years, it's been Vegas, but you know, we'll go to the Keys at Jimmy's place, or, or we'll do Howie's place in Montana. We will get together our families separately. You know, we'll go down and visit Jimmy sometime, or Howie's wife and my wife text each other like high school girls half the time. You know, I mean, so like, there's a bond that I think that shows on Sunday. And again, I go back to this is my belief of, all, of why our show works is because we genuinely love and care about one another. And so when we get into the studio on Sunday, we're not pretending that we're friends and we're not pretending that we like one another. And it works the other way around, too, that when someone you know, gives you a jab or you don't get to talk in a segment as much as someone else, there's no jealousy. There's, there's no anger. There's no this guy's trying to make me look bad or, or one up me because that's your brother. That's the guy you trust. So you mm-hmm. don't worry about those things. And so I think that relationship as far as human beings and who we are as people is what makes us work as professionals. Do you pay attention to the ratings at all? <sighs> the answer is no. Um, and I know it, it, it sounds, again, I'm not trying to be a jerk, um, but the gap has become so wide between us and everybody else that I don't pay attention to it from that standpoint. But we always hear, obviously, hey, we had a show this week that was our you know, biggest of the year or you know, the ratings this past season were the highest they've been since 2015. So you hear these things, but I never check out on Monday, how do we do, how do we do? But I've always, that's always been my approach because I go back to, you know, I, look, I worked local television in Cedar Rapids, Des Moines, Madison, Wisconsin, Jacksonville, Florida, uh, Dallas, Texas, New York. Some of those stations were the number one stations. Some were the number four out of three. You know what I mean? Right. So, like, I, 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 I can't control that. All right. I can do is go out and do the best job I can. That's always been my approach. And so I don't worry about 
the numbers because I can't make you at home flip and watch my channel. You know, you're either tuning in or, or not. So that's always been the approach I've taken. Um, so I've never been somebody who, who tracks the ratings on a daily basis. You mentioned it, and, and Fox PR has, has touted it this week. You guys, NFL on Fox, had your most watched season in four years. What do you attribute mm-hmm. that to? What do you think the reason is for that? Uh, look, I, I think they're, they're, from a uh, game standpoint uh, and a pregame standpoint, I think this was an exciting year as far as, you know, it, there was a time where we thought, okay, if we lose – an A quarterback, then that team screwed. And that proved not to be the case. The way the game is played now, younger guys are more prepared to play. So, you know, a quarterback gets hurt, the team is still alive. Uh, teams were in it throughout the year. We had different storylines, new guys, you know, new faces around the league. I think that is part of it. But part of it is also, let's be honest, since the ratings were down for the last couple of years compared to where they were. So now they bet bounced back up to where they were. And I think that's really the bigger story is that it's bounced back to where it was you got to increase to get there. Um, and being down was just a blip. And I think those reasons that they were down, whether it was the election in 2016, uh, which I still think that people, you know, don't pay enough attention to. And it's going to be interesting to watch in 2020, right. because I think this election is going to be just as, as, as you know, hyped as polarizing. I think the cable news channels are going to do just as big a numbers, all those kinds of things. So I, I think that it may be one of those, it'll be interesting to watch going forward. But I think that really the story is that we've gotten back to, to what I consider the norm after a couple of years of, of having take, taken a dip. Yeah, I, I agree with that totally. Um, we mentioned the Super Bowl. We'll get into it a little bit in a sec. But obviously before that, you have uh, you have the pregame this Sunday, 6 p.m. Eastern, leading into Green Bay-San Francisco NFL title game. And then obviously two weeks from then, Super Bowl in Miami on February 2nd. Your pregame show starts at 1 o'clock Eastern. Game kicks off at 6.30. Give me your uh, mindset going into a pregame show like that uh, when it's all day, basically. Look, so the I know before us is going to be the kickoff, so my duties won't start that on that Sunday until 2 o'clock Eastern. So, see, okay. I've even got extra time, so there I'll put go. my feet up and just relax. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's just that you look at it, and, you know, it, it's, it sounds weird. And you go, got you got four hours, you know, plus because the game kicks off at what six eighteen, six twenty three, whatever it is. But that last after six o'clock, it's you know national anthem, it's a flyover, all that stuff. So we're pretty much done. So you're on from two to six, and it's four hours, which is obviously four times the length of, length of our normal pregame. But it, it doesn't feel like it when you're doing a Super Bowl. I don't know. It's the energy of the day. It's the 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 quality. I think of the pieces. Um, you know what's on the line for everybody. And and those four hours, I don't know if it seems like this is a viewer or what, but it seems like it flies by. It really does. So I don't worry about, oh, my gosh, it seems like it's so long, it's so long, it's so long. And also, I think, you know, this has been a year where we had a two-hour show uh, at West Point. We had a two-hour show on Thanksgiving. You know, both of those in front of a live audience. They kind of, I don't know, got the ball rolling a little bit, uh, if you will, as we go into this Super Bowl season. So I, I, I'm looking forward to it because I, I just love, I mean, there's nothing like the energy and the drama of Super Bowl Sunday when you're, the network is hosting it. At the same time, I'm also appreciative of the fact we only have to do this once every three years. You know, I, I talked with Rich Eisen about this. They do an eight-and-a-half-hour pregame show, which I don't know how you do. Right. And they do it every year. Right. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's mentally and physically taxing, not just that Sunday, that week. Now, look, we're not digging ditches. We're not saving lives. You right, know what right. I mean? Of course. So, but but it, it's a high-stress situation, and I'm glad we do it every three years uh, instead of having to do it every year. But when you're doing it, it does it truly does fly by, and I love it. This is your fifth. This is going to be your fifth Super Bowl with Fox hosting. Uh, do you, yeah. Now, everyone knows what the Super Bowl numbers are. You know, it's a holiday, basically, in this country. Um Obviously, I would assume you're a little bit more ramped up than on a typical Sunday in you know October. But do you do you get nervous at all, or it's just old hat and no. you're just doing a regular pregame show now? You know, I, I go back to I, I've always felt people ask me all the time, "Oh, do you get nervous?" You know, Super Bowl's got 150 million potentially, and you know, versus a you know, regular Sunday where you got five million or you know what? I'm like, I, I go back to, and again, I'm, I'm not trying to be Joe Calm here, but I, I've never looked at it that way. Because I go back to, I think, having done local television prepared me for so much. Not just from, from being on air and, and you know, learning how to speak or, you know, back 
when I did, I was a one-man band. I had to shoot, I had to edit, I had to write. You know, you did everything. So it taught me a bunch of different skills. But I think one of the other things it taught me was to, to not worry about who's watching. And I go back to the rating thing we mentioned earlier. I always took the approach. I'm in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Um, and there may be three people watching me on television. But one of those three people could be someone who's looking to hire me in the next job. And he sees me and go, mm. he kind of mailed it in that night. Or he wasn't that good. Yeah, I think I'll pass on it. So you never know who's watching or what the impact is. And also, it's your name out there. It's your family name. So you want to represent well. So I take that approach with every single week. It doesn't matter whether it's week one, week 10, or Super Bowl. And I just try and treat everything the same and just go out and do my best each and every time. You had mentioned, I'm going to shift gears here and then we'll, we'll wrap up. I got a couple of quick, lighthearted ones to wrap up with. But you had mentioned, obviously, you did, uh, I think you said you did the play-by-play for Fox for 10 years the great uh, right. 2% milk line. Uh, yeah. And uh, I know you still do the Seahawks pre-game, uh, preseason games uh, during yeah. the preseason. Is play-by-play something you'd eventually want to get back to? Or are you like, you know, listen, I'm staying in this host chair as long as they'll have me here at Fox? Yeah. They're going to have to physically drag me out of that, that host chair. And at my size, it may take two guys to drag me out. So, uh, you know, I'm planning on staying there as long as possible. I enjoy doing the play-by-play. And that's part of the reason, uh, you know, I look at it from, from, from two standpoints. The reason I, I continue to do preseason uh, football play-by-play. You know, because a lot of guys, actually, who do play-by-play are trying to get out of doing preseason or don't want to do it. So, for me, I, I think the approach has always been I love doing it. I love being around football. I love going to training camps. Uh, I love being around teams. And when you're in the studio on Sunday, you don't get to do that. You know, I, I don't get to do Friday production meetings. don't get to meet young guys who are just coming into the league, new coaches, those kinds of things. So I travel around the training camp every year. I, I, I still say, I think this year, um, I saw 16 teams, but usually it's in the 20s. Um, so that's a big part of, of, of it, uh, is just the love of football and just truly enjoying doing it. And so you get that with play-by-play. Um, the other aspect of it, though, is I'm a realist. Nobody knows what the future is in this business. Nobody knows what happens if all the executives at Fox get blown out someday right. and a bunch of guys come in and they go, you know what, we want a different guy as a studio host. Well, at that point, you go, well, I did play-by-play 20 years ago. You know, that skill doesn't necessarily something you can drop and pick up again, I should say it that way. So it, it, I think it, it helps keep me, look, it's preseason football. It helps keep me sharp to a certain degree, but it, it keeps me in the game as, as a play-by-play guy. So I, I, it's a joy, uh, but there's also a practicality to it, at least in my mind. But I don't plan on leaving the studio until they force me out. And speaking of play-by-play, you're going to be doing play-by-play for the XFL. You're going to be partnering, yeah. partnering with Joel Klatt. Uh, and I think that's one of the things that, that it gives me a chance to do both. Right. You know, I can do the NFL studio from you know September until February, and then I get to my play-by-play fix for 11 weeks after that. And I'm looking forward to that working with Joel. I think, I don't know, I think he's been on your show before. I think Joel is one of the gems in this business. First of all, as a, he's a good dude, a good family man. But uh, I, I think he's brilliant on air. I, I really do. And so I'm really looking forward to being uh, in a booth with him. I, I would assume, I mean, it's, you're going to call this as a straight broadcast, right? I mean, it's the XFL. I think yeah. people are expecting yeah. something a little maybe different or offbeat well the first time it was around you know vince had his announcers calling games obviously they're trying to make it um for lack of a better word i, I don't mean it to sound you know this but more legit um but yeah. it's still you know it's not the nfl so i don't know if is the approach to have more fun with it call it like an nfl game what's the approach going in no i i think the approach is to for me is to call it like a football game you know and i think preseason football kind of prepares you for this you know, I did NFL Europe for 10 years as well, you know, which, you know, I mean, we know the guys and a lot of people have heard, you know, whether it's James Harrison or Kurt Warner or Jake DeLome, that were trying to get their shot in the league or move from a practice squad. This is kind of, in my mind, a similar thing, even though this is its own league and not a developmental league for the NFL. Right. It is something that you've got guys that we all know where they want to be. I mean, you know, let's be realistic about it. So I think that it's about telling their stories, and but from a football announcer standpoint, it's about football. The difference will be between this and what you see on an NFL Sunday is that there'll be some technological advances and differences, but we're going to have a lot of access. Uh, you know, we'll be able to hear the coaches, he calls the players. Um, the, we'll be able to interview players on the sideline during the game. We'll be able to talk to players and coaches from the booth during the game. And obviously football takes precedent over it. 
but being able to hear a play called and then having Joe Joel explain it um, is an element you can't have on an NFL Sunday. Right. You know, you may try and see what the defense is doing, those kinds of things. But it all goes back to football. That's not gimmicky. It's football-y, if you will. Right. Is, is Are you just dealing with Fox executives on this, or does Vince McMahon have a ever communicate? Yeah, no, any? It, it, for me, it's all Fox. Okay. Uh, and, and we had a seminar where we went to New York, and we were together with the, the folks from ABC, ESPN. They you know, had us all in the room just to kind of go over some of the logistics of the league and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the XFL people are all football people. You know, it's Oliver right. Luck, who I keep going back to NFL Europe, but he ran NFL Europe when I was there. Obviously, I uh, was head of the NCAA and commissioner at West Virginia, and everybody, I mean, excuse me, AD at West Virginia, and everybody knows him as Oliver Luck's dad, but he's a football guy. Right. You know, Doug Whaley is one of the operations guys who was the general manager of the Buffalo Bills. Dean Blandino is the head of officiating. I mean, so these are football people that are involved in this, and this is all I've, I've dealt with. Everybody's right. been football, football, football. Back to the pregame show for a sec, because I wanted to ask you this. We mentioned all of the guys, Howie and Terry and Jimmy and Strahan and Tony Gonzalez, but you had an addition this year uh, in, with some shows with Gronk. Yeah, was working with Gronk. What, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna ask you if you liked it because I'm sure you liked it, and that's a stupid question. But was it what you expected, or did he do anything that was that surprised you? Anything unexpected? What was the Gronk experience like for you? Well, you know, if you've ever been around him, um, you if well, if you've ever seen him on TV, you've been around him because that's right. who he is. He is a big so kid. If you've been around him, yep. you, you kind of knew what to expect. So it fell right into line, I think, as, as to what we expected. I guess the one difference is that I, I, I did realize if you target him in on a specific topic you want him to talk about, right? his football mind is, is brilliant. Mm-hmm. I mean, he really is. He can give you the ins and outs of a play or how to defend a guy or about just you know what's trying to go on from a football standpoint. it's not. He wasn't that successful being goofy as a football player. You know what I mean? Right. There, there's some, some football smarts that are there. And if you channel him in that direction, I think he was surprising to me in how in-depth he could be and how um, knowledgeable he was, uh, at least able to verbalize it. Right. Um, and, it, you know, from, from that standpoint. And with Gronk, too, it's not just football smarts. I don't think he gets enough credit for, for hanging it up when he hung it up and realizing, yep. you know, what was at stake here, which we just saw with Luke Cookley as well. And, you know, Gronk had, you know, throughout his career, he, he made it known the paycheck he got from the Patriots went right in the bank yeah. and he only spent yep. his endorsement money. So, you know, while he you oh, see him you on TV and he may well, not he is, be. He is who he is. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I compare him to Bradshaw in that right. Gronk, like Bradshaw, has figured out a character that people love that he plays to. But it's the character's him, you know? It's not a fake uh, no. person. Right. Like Bradshaw's not a fake country guy. Right. He is that guy, but he plays it up. Right. Gronk is not a fake bro, but he plays it up. There are times you can sit down and talk to both of them and have a totally, quote-unquote, normal conversation. They can talk about other things in the world and things that are going on. They're both really smart about football, but they figured out the identity that works best for them as a persona. And that's what they what they hype. Yeah. And again, it, 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 they're both genuine about it, though. It's not fake. Yeah, and I think that's why people like them. It's that simple. Uh, yeah. No one, no one cares if Gronk isn't a wordsmith or the most eloquent person. It's, <laughs> right. You know, right. if he's being authentic, that's it. Is there a Terry? Mo- is there a Terry moment that sticks out in your head? Live, you're doing the show where he says something. It doesn't even have to be controversial. It can be wrong, controversial. Be, is, is there something where he said something where you were like, "Oh my God, what did he just say?" Is there one that well, like sticks I, out? I, I don't. I don't know. I think it's just more the names. You know, we and look doing these highlights at halftime. People don't understand on the fly. It's basically hey, here's a sheet because we do halftime live for each game, and sometimes it can be six games back to back to back to back. I mean, you know, seriously, thirty minutes in between a halftime segment. I mean, thirty seconds in between a halftime segment. Right. So he gets handed these names because someone just scored a touchdown on the fly, and. Watching him do those, we all die. It's, a, it's, it's not easy for anybody to do. But I think that is are the things that we laugh about, and just how he screws up a name, or he'll get the most challenging, difficult name correct, and then screw up a Johnson or Jackson. You right, know, those right. kinds of things. Right. And I think, and I always go back to um, one of the first ones, I think, um, i trying to remember, I think it was Dexter McCluster, who played for the Kansas City Chiefs. Right. 
and you know, he what I call him Duster McCluster or something <laughs> like that. You know, so those kind yeah. of things they just make you laugh out loud. You know? Yeah, but I, I think he's got the ability to laugh at himself. Which allows us to laugh at him. Not that we wouldn't anyway. Right, right. But it certainly helps. Fox should compile those and and sort of make a, a little compilation video for YouTube. That would be a big hit. Um, yeah. well, but, it, it would also be a multi-part special. But yeah, we'll take it. Okay, I'm going to end this on something totally bizarre that has nothing to do with football. I was scrolling through your Twitter feed in preparation for this interview, and I saw you exchanging tweets with Richard Christie from the Howard Stern Show. And I'm a huge, yes, huge Howard guy. Now, are you a Howard guy or are you just friends with Richard specifically? I'm a Howard guy. And by being a Howard guy, I became friends with Richard. The way we met, actually, was uh, some people know about it. There's a big charity event in Kansas City called the Big Slick. And uh, Jason Sudeikis, Paul Rudd, um, David Kirchner, uh, Eric Stone Street, and Rob Riggle are the, the celebrities who are all from Kansas City. They do it, and they raise money for the Kansas City uh, Children's Hospital, which is one of the biggest children's hospitals in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they crossed the $10 million mark this year, all this kind of stuff. But they have this big celebrity event every summer in Kansas City. Uh, it's a whole weekend, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I've gone a couple of times, and I think Paul was on the Howard Stern Show, and right. he was talking about the event. Richard Christie, being a guy who's from Kansas, got to talking to Paul, and Paul was like, hey, why don't you come this year? So Richard went to the event last year for the first time. I wound up meeting him. We wound up hanging out together there. I got to meet Richard Christie's dad. Oh, wow. And his mom. Yeah, they were really cool. And they obviously, I won't say obviously, but they, they watch our show. Right. So they wanted to take like pictures with me and I want to take pictures with them. You know, it was one of those. Oh, that's things. great. So then Richard and I stayed in touch. I just saw him. I was in New York uh, last week uh, just for, for to promote the new dog show I'm doing on A&E. Right. And, um, and so we went out and had a beer and that kind of thing. So, but we you know, text all the time and see each other whenever um, uh, we're in the same city. Oh, that's rare, but right. that kind of thing. So yeah, that's where that came from. That's great. I love Richard. He's the best. And he, uh, he is, I'm telling you, he really is. And I, I, I love, I use the word genuine and I talk about, you know, our show and the personalities, but he is, he's a genuinely right. nice guy. You listen to the show, there's some weird things that go on if you listen to Howard Stern show. And very, <laughs> very really weird, is. very he's weird things, very weird things with Richard too. But he, you, he yes, yeah. yes. But yeah. he's a sweetheart. Yeah, I. Uh, it's funny because with the, you know, I'm a, I'm a big Stern guy. I tweet about it all the time. So I have people on Twitter follow me who know I'm a Stern guy. And with the Chiefs in the playoffs, I, I I've been getting tweets every time they play about you know. We need the Chiefs yeah. for Richard. We want to see Richard cry on the. He right. cried last year when he got to talk to Patrick Mahomes. So it it's funny that Richard's a little bit of a storyline here with the Chiefs. Uh, maybe headed to the Super Bowl. Oh, I know. Yeah, trust me, he's over the moon about that. Yeah. And, you know, um, it's weird because he's a Chiefs fan. His wife's an Eagles fan. Right. Right. And so she was heartbroken, obviously, when they uh, lost last week. Right. And he is just on this roll because you know the way the game started on uh, on Sunday. Uh, I think he was thinking, oh boy, here we go again. Right. And then it turned around. So well, maybe, no, I'm, I'm rooting for them for him. As yeah, well. if the Chiefs make the Super Bowl, maybe get him on the pregame show. That would be phenomenal. We could oh, Richard that, Christie that would be something. unleashed yeah. on America. All right, Kurt. <laughs> I don't know if, if, if at that point, though, he'd be um, cohesive enough. Let's just put right, it that way. Right, right. That is uh, true. <laughs> he likes his pumpkin beer. Um, yeah, exactly. I, I appreciate you coming on. Enjoy the uh, NFC Championship. Anytime, man. Yep, and enjoy the Super Bowl and uh, get through that long day. And uh, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. All right, anytime. All right, take care, Kurt. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. 
Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, that wraps up this edition of the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. My thanks to Kurt Menefee. Enjoyed speaking to him. And uh, keep in mind, next week, Brett Musburger. And the week after that, Kevin Harlan will be appearing on this podcast. So if you're not a subscriber, hit that subscribe button. And uh, you could rate and review as well. That would be super helpful. All right, that wraps it up. We'll see you next week right here on the SI Media Podcast. Take care. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.